you're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, Lydia, and Ticket. So I decided to give the rest of the crew the week off, uh, much deserved paid vacation, um, even though I don't pay them at all anyway, but hey, it is what it is. Um, so tonight I have a couple of uh, interviews for you. Um, one that uh, we're actually we're about to do right now. And then the other one I recorded a couple weeks ago and we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to it. But uh my first guest tonight is Patrick Schurz. He uh, has created one of our favorite events of the year in LodgeCon. It's, uh, well, Patrick, in a, in a, in a second, I'm going to have you talk about it. But I do want to point this out just so that you are aware. We still have this. And thanks to COVID, we are still the defending adult cosplay LodgeCon champions. So we have to defend this title this year oh yeah can't wait <laughs> so <laughs> patrick how are you doing man i'm doing great i'm doing great uh, i'm excited to be back in the ring uh doing what i like doing again awesome so yeah so after two long years LodgeCon is back uh so what are the dates for this year's LodgeCon? and for those who don't know what it is what is this con all about all right. Uh, LodgeCon is going to be November 5th and 6th, uh, 2020 at the Will County Fairgrounds uh, in beautiful downtown Piatona, Illinois. Uh, and we're an everything geek convention. That's uh, basically what I've started calling it the last few years. We have gaming, uh, all, everything from D&D and Pathfinder and Magic the Gathering and Warhammer 40k tournaments to vendors of all sorts from authors and artists and comic book sellers and toy sellers and game sellers. And we have some additional things in there like cosplay contests, as you uh, so brilliantly <laughs> pointed out a second ago, uh, along with uh, other strange, unique guests who come and do seminars like the Illinois Storm Chasers who have come in the past or uh, the Klingon Pop Warrior uh, who has come uh, just about every show we've had to serenade us with her lovely Klingon. Uh, and basically anything and anything I find geeky, if I can squeeze it into the convention, I do. Fun, fun story about, uh, Klingon Pop Warrior. Um, uh, I don't remember what year it was, but, uh, one of the years, uh, I ended up buying both the CDs that she was selling at that time and on the ride home and, and with any con on the ride home, like everybody's tired, like Everybody is tired of my antics and everything, um, but I still made them listen to Klingon Pop Warrior on the way home, and it was fantastic. <laughs> it's it's surprising how good uh, Lady Gaga sounds in Klingon. It's exactly, amazing. exactly. Yeah. So uh, LodgeCon has typically been held in February. Uh, why did you make the switch to November? And do you you know anticipate or plan on ever switching it back? Uh, no. That's a short answer for the switching back part. Um, we we kind of landed in February when we started this whole endeavor and we wanted to switch, but we were afraid to do so in, in fear of alienating uh, our regular fans and our vendors. Uh, but then we had a year off, which kind of helps reset some things. Um, and then there was other con competition. 
um, where there was a, a different con that had shifted weekends, kind of the, the same theory we had where they were trying to adjust their, their normal yearly occurrence. Uh, and when that happened, it gave us an opportunity to really look back at our venue and say, hey, guys, you don't have anything going on right now either. How about we switch some dates and you, you let us lock in in a different annual time of year? And uh, one of the options they had was November. And we jumped on that because one of the thought processes we had was if we could get um, attendees and or guests who come in to, to visit the, the show, the opportunity to get either that last minute Christmas or holiday gift or maybe the start of the Christmas or holiday shopping started, uh, it would help out our vendors. And so we, we looked at that and we thought about it long and hard and we ended up settling in uh, early November. Nice. <clears throat> Which I think all in all, November is a really good time. Um, you're not, the, the chances of having a con in the middle of a blizzard uh, in November, <laughs> slim to none. Yes. Which that's happened with Lodge. Uh, yeah, multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the horrible thing is the very first LodgeCon we had, it was 60 and sunny. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. We'll have it this time of year every year. This will be fantastic. And then it snowed varying degrees of heaviness every year thereafter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and, and kind of to your point of using a con as holiday shopping, um, you know, we kind of talked before the show that, uh, C2E2 last year was held in December, like mid-December. And so I had planned on doing a lot of my Christmas shopping then. Yeah, I spent more money on myself than I did on anybody else. But hey, that's fine. <laughs> well, the thought was there. That's the important part. The thought was there. You get to follow through. <laughs> so, um, you know, like COVID has changed everything. Um and not even necessarily specifically to COVID, but, you know, aside from the, the date change, what are some of the other changes that con goers can expect from this year's LodgeCon? Well, we've still got a, a lot of planning and prepping to do. We're about, I think it's eight months out altogether, just a little over that. Uh, so my goal is to, to really hammer down these next month, two months, and have everything that I can humanly possibly have nailed down, nailed down. Um, so I think there's going to be, maybe not necessarily structural changes to the, to the convention, um, but we may see new faces. Uh, some of the vendors I've had in the past uh, are no longer um, vending. They're, they're no longer companies, some of them. Uh, others managed to make it through the last two years. Um, and so one, I guess the, the biggest change isn't necessarily for the, the con goers, but for the vendors. One of the things we're trying to get accomplished is changing our business model slightly. Uh, to get more corporate sponsorship. And if we, if we attain our goal, uh, our, our thought process is to make this year's vendor fees the lowest they've ever been. Um, so that way, you know, vendors that have survived the last two years that used to bounce from convention to convention to convention didn't have that option necessarily. And so those that have stuck around had uh, a hard go of it. And last thing we want to do is when we start getting back into convention time saying, okay, well, welcome back to convention time. And you're going to pay the same fee or penalty or entrance exam to, to the conventions as before. We want to give them a break. Uh, they've had it rough. And I think it's, I mean, it's fair uh, to say the least uh, bad business model, <laughs> but, it, but it's, it's fair and it's encouraging. And, and I want it to be, uh, I guess, a reward for those vendors that managed to make it through the last couple of years. Yeah. And 
That is amazing because, you know, one of the things that I always love about LodgeCon is like, it's really is kind of like a big family, you know, like I, I go in there and I'll see a lot of the same vendors and I'll see a lot of, you know, the same crew and everything like that. So, you know, that's, that's awesome to, you know, try to, you know, quote unquote, help your family out, you know, and something like this. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for the vendors and and obviously the attendees every year, we wouldn't be able to do the show. And uh, the last couple of years, I've managed to to make some really good friendships with with a lot of our vendors. And uh, I want to see them again because I haven't seen them in a while. So I want to make it as as appealing for them and as easy for them to come back to LodgeCon as humanly possible. Thanks. So what kind of challenges have you faced with putting on a kind of sort of post-COVID con? <laughs> uh yeah, to be determined we're still working it out um there, there's uh you know in 2021 we we actually kicked around the idea of, of doing a covid show which would have been an online event um mm-hmm. and at the last minute we ended up having to to you know pull the you know the curtain on that one because we wouldn't have been able to do it justice so uh moving into the post-covid uh supposedly post-COVID season, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of challenges. I mean, it may flare back up. It may disappear forever. You may have mixed mandates. You may have um, a lot of skittish attendees. You may have a reduction in attendees just because people are still uncertain of things. So we, we have to balance uh, not only what mandates and regulations are there uh, by government um mandates obviously but we've also got to take into consideration some of our attendees may be nervous to come back to conventions so we're, we're trying to encourage individuals who maybe haven't gone to a convention for a while to stretch out their legs and maybe try one. Um, I know um, some friends of mine were real reluctant to go to uh, one of the larger conventions this year uh, and Gen Con in particular not to uh, be smart to anybody but they were they were very nervous about a possibly attending Gen Con. Uh, and I, they, they basically backed out of it. And, but then at the same time, they've seen a, a handful of other smaller conventions uh, scheduled over the next few months over the state of Illinois. And they're excited about going to these smaller conventions because there's less of um, a risk, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. in their minds. Uh, and so having to adjust to the fact that, that this is going to be around for a while you know, as far as how people interact with society uh, is, is a bit of a challenge because it's a guessing game with your attendees uh, and sometimes even the vendors. Yeah. Um, so it's a new world and there's new boundaries and there's new rules and trying to appease the government mandates or the restrictions while still trying to provide uh, an open and accessible environment. It's, it's kind of a tricky thing. And uh, we're learning as we go. Yeah. The short answer. And something that, you know, that we've learned, especially, I would say more so, you know, like, you know, when in the beginning of this whole thing, I mean, I feel like things have kind of stabilized slightly, but still like stuff that, you know, like we expect to be rules or whatever right now in three months is going to be completely different. Yeah. And, and as an organization, we have to shift on the fly. Um, the, the rules are one th- way now, and next week they could be different, and two months from now it could be completely gone, and then a month after that, reinstated full force. Yeah. 
So it, it, it hopefully um, both the vendors and attendees and special guests uh, realize that it's a fluid system. And I think everybody's kind of used to the, the adjustment of things the last year or so. So that'll hopefully make whatever we have to decide to do a little easier. Yeah. <clears throat> so I know it's super early and probably too soon to really be asking this question, but I am who I am. Uh, do you have any confirmed guests or vendors yet that you're willing to tell us about? I, I do. I do. Uh, I, I'm going to announce real quick uh, two uh, vendors that have already, uh, amongst a few that have already locked in. Uh, there's Abbott's Hollow Studios. Um, they do the leather work on for phone cases and oh, pillows cool. and they do crowns occasionally and dice bags and GM towers. And it, it, Randy of Abitala Studios, he's an amazing gentleman. Uh, and he is, he is confirmed uh, like seven, eight months ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's one of those that I hear from every so often, how's plans going? How do you need anything? How's this going? Uh, and and uh, I believe uh, Sir Randy, as we call him, uh, <laughs> has, has got some special things in the works for the show. Uh, he, he told me that I have to go over to his house and we're going to discuss him. So I'm not sure exactly what that entails, um, <laughs> but I'm excited because Randy does great stuff. Uh, and then uh, and, uh, the second vendor I'm going to bring up this evening, and I want to pull up his page so I don't butcher his page's name here. It's Hogan's Heroes Comics and Collectibles. Uh, and this is the gentleman we refer to as Randy Two. Uh, because he is also a Randy, uh, and he, he sells uh, the minifigs um, uh, that you know from the different franchises, as far as like Marvel and DC and any, anything minifig uh, that you would want. He has it's crazy the stuff he has. You know everything from like uh, Jurassic Park dinosaurs to uh, the comic books to the uh, science fiction movies. He's got all the minifigs. Uh, that you could possibly want. And then I believe he also does comic books uh, with those many things and, and a few other things. But again, Randy was another one that was pretty much locked in with us about two or three months ago, um, who uh, is one of those who every so often I hear from is like, hey, how are things going? You need anything? Can I do anything? Are we all locked in for next event? So uh, the, the, the Randys, as we call them when we're talking about the both of them, great individuals who got great products uh, and just great vendors and great people in general. So those are the two of the vendors that have uh, locked in. There's a few others, but I'm gonna keep them and try and dish them out slowly because uh, we got eight months to start spreading this information out. So I want to save some names for later. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and one special, um, I'm gonna have to call them guests um, that have uh, likewise um, have contacted us and 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 basically kicked in our door and we're like. So LodgeCon this year, and I was like, oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, that um, thing. <laughs> that thing, yes, of course. So uh, the, the individuals from the 501st uh, uh, group from the Midwest Garrison, the, the local gentlemen uh, from this area down in the Kankakee region, there's a handful of them. Uh, who belong to the 501st charitable organization that, you know, uh, for your viewers who may not know, dress up as uh, characters from Star Wars, Stormtroopers, uh, Sith Lords, Darth Vader, Snowtroopers, Sandtroopers, uh, Imperial Guards, uh, and all their costumes are essentially 
uh, film ready. They're, they're movie grade ready costumes. And uh, the gentleman from uh, the local area have, have uh, insisted that they're not only coming this year, because uh, in their mind, that wasn't an option of not coming, uh, but they also want to do some seminars and panels this year, uh, which would be interesting because uh, I'm not 100% sure on what they want to do for panels and seminars. So I'll release that once uh, I get a little bit more detailed information. Um, but I know that it was something along with how to introduce people into cosplaying in general, not necessarily how to build your stormtrooper outfit, but how to get involved in just cosplay, which is kind of interesting and cool. So, uh, so that's three behind the, behind the door secrets that, uh, you have info on before anybody else. Nice. Uh, so hopefully that, 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 uh, holds you over for a little, a little while. It, it does. I, I'm just happy to have a scoop. And I got three <laughs> scoops. This is fantastic. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so at its core, LodgeCon is a gaming convention. Uh, what was your favorite game growing up? Well, this is a tricky one. Um, uh, as a kid growing up, I, I played any game I, I could get my hands on. And uh, I really started, you know, having my formidable years back in the, in the mid to early 80s. And, you know, any video game I could get my hand on you know, back then, which was like Atari, was was awesome. Uh, but my first um, tabletop game I ever played was D&D. Uh, but I was very young at the time, and I really didn't know what I was doing, and I just butchered it. And then you fast forward a couple of years to when I was in uh, junior high, and a very good friend of mine uh, showed me a game called Shadowrun. Uh, and Shadowrun is a fantastic game. Um, and as a kid growing up, I don't know if you ever remember hearing the uh, uh, the panic of the early and mid '80s of, of parental groups freaking out about people playing D and D with a uh, was it the Satanic Panic? I think is what it was called. <laughs> back in the day. Which was that always entertained me because uh, the premise in Dungeons and Dragons is you're good guys beating up the bad guys, and that's always been the premise of Dungeons and Dragons, which is weird because that one got the rap. But so I started really learning how to play games with my one friend playing this game called Shadowrun. And I remember my mom asking me which one I was playing and I would tell her I'd be playing Shadowrun with my friends. And she was like, oh, okay, never mind, go have fun. But she was always very leery of the D&D game. And the interesting thing is the, the premise behind Shadowrun for your fans who are already in the know laughing about this hysterically, the premise in Shadowrun is you're, you're criminals. <laughs> stealing corporate secrets, doing bad things. You're criminals, essentially, running through the streets of Seattle, you know, doing criminal activity. So you, you had the one game that my parents were fine with where you're literally playing a criminal. <laughs> Again, they were totally fine with versus Dungeons and Dragons where you're the heroes saving the world <laughs> from evil. And they had a problem with that. So, yes, uh, Shadowrun was my, uh, my, first, uh, my first love. Uh, but then shortly after learning that game, I did get into D&D. Uh, but by that point, my parents had no control over my gaming. It was horrible. Uh, <laughs> and, and then I was a diehard D&D fan. Nice. So yeah. now, you know, now these days, I know you are way, way busier. But what kind of games do you like to play now? Well, right now, I, I'm, a, I'm a diehard Pathfinder fan. Uh, Pathfinder and Starfinder. And Pathfinder is... Uh, some would say is the inheritor or the uh, successor to a certain degree of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, it's the same kind of like 
good guys saving the world kind of scenario. It's medieval fantasy, at least within Pathfinder. Uh, and it's, it's a, what people like to call rules crunchy uh, instead of rules light. It's a little rules crunchy, but uh, once you get the system and you get it figured out, it, it just, it's so smooth. It's just amazing system. And as a caveat, I am a member uh, I should have probably said this ahead of time. I am a member of the Organized Play Foundation, which is a volunteer group of uh, individuals who organize um, uh, play within the Pathfinder and Starfinder organized play setting. Uh, so we go to different stores or different conventions and help run the organized play of those games. Uh, and for those of your, of your fans who's not too familiar, organized play is a, a set of additional rules players can use uh, to play a particular character anywhere there's a game of organized play. So if you make a character and follow these rules, you could play this character at Gen Con, at Lodge Con, at your local game store, at C2E2. And if you go on vacation to Michigan, you find a game store up there and you happen to have your character, you can play a game up there. And it, it's just an ongoing living campaign. Uh, and, and, and Pathfinder Paizo, the company that uh, owns Pathfinder and Starfinder does a fantastic job of putting out yearly seasons and whatnot. And, and, and again, I'm an organized member of the Organized Play Foundation. Uh, last, I believe, I was a venture captain. Although uh, the last two years with everything that's been going on, I think I may have slipped in rank a little. But either way, <laughs> love the game, love the, 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 the play experience you get, and, and uh, just enjoy it a lot. So LodgeCon is far from a one-person show. Um, so let's talk a little bit about who, who else helps you put this con together? Uh, it's, it's everybody. Uh, I get help from everyone. Um, you know, kind of like what you said before about the, the vendors and, and, and the special guests like you, you guys and, and, and others. There's a little bit of a sense of community or family almost to a degree. And so we get assistance from pretty much everyone who shows up to the con. They help in, in different ways. Sometimes it, it's just as simple as um, sharing information on their web pages or uh, their Facebook groups. Um, and when it comes to the more physical uh, aspect of assistance, uh, I have to throw a shout out to uh, my, my boy, Ryan Murphy, who is my go-to guy during the entire show. He foregoes any games and which and he's a huge player and admin player of Pathfinder, but he foregoes the entire week and just to lug tables around for me and to be my right hand man. Uh, and then ultimately, of course, uh, luckily she's not here to stare at me why I haven't mentioned her yet. Uh, my <laughs> wife, uh, Becky, uh, love of my life, uh, who has been uh, the, the rock and the steadfast person in our marriage and relationship for as long as we've been together. So, yeah, no, without her and her support, there, there's no way this would happen. So speaking speaking of Becky, uh, so your geekdom doesn't stop at games. And yeah. one of the first times that we met, I remember you told me about one of the first times you met her. So do you want to share that with the world? Uh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I think I could do that. I could do <laughs> that. She'll love this. So... Uh, Many, many, many years ago, uh, when I was a younger lad, um, a friend and I uh, worked together at, a, at the same job, and we used to carpool uh, to work you know, every day. And about once a week, we'd stop at this one local gas station and, and get gas and you know, work supplies, snacks and whatnot. And so we got to know the girls who worked behind the counter. And one of them, uh, in, in particular, 
was this girl that we'd gone to high school with and we knew her and she was kind of an outgoing uh, talkative individual. And one day she, she looks at me and says, Hey, Pat, let, let me ask you a hypothetical question. And I said, Oh, all right, sure. Why not? I mean, just a hypothetical. Sure. And uh, so she said, if you had a friend and they had to go to a wedding and they, they wanted to ask you to go with them just as a friend to this wedding. So they weren't there alone. Would you go? And I said, yeah, why not? I mean, if it's a friend of mine, yeah, I don't want anybody going by themselves. And before I realized what had happened and what I fall into, she says, good, what's your number? And I'm like, oh, huh? And uh, my buddy who was there with me immediately says, oh, his number is five, 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 five. And I'm like, (laughs) what's going on here? You know, and uh, I, I was a little confused and I said, well, is this for you? Is this for, and, and she says, no, it's for my sister. And I had no idea who her sister was. Uh, lo and behold, I didn't realize at the time we'd all gone to, high, gone to high school together, but I had no memory of her from high school. So uh, it was for the sister uh, who had to go to a wedding. And I was like, oh, okay. So a week goes by and I never got a call. So I'm thinking, woo, just dodged a bullet. Because uh, I just got out of a relationship that had lasted for a little while with a person I probably shouldn't have been dating anyhow. She was, wasn't a good situation. Uh, it wasn't horrible. It just wasn't good. It was not a nice person. But uh, so I, I just wanted some free time, some me time. So about a week later, no call. I'm thinking I'm in the clear. Well, me and the same buddy, same gas station, same younger sister behind the counter. And my buddy goes to the, the sister and says, hey, how come, how come your sister hasn't called my, my guy yet? And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You know, I thought I just dodged this. And she says, well, she's she's a little nervous and she's a little old fashioned. She thought it should be Pat that calls her. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm definitely in the clear now. And and, uh, so my buddy goes, "Okay, no problem here. Give me your number. So he gets the number from the sister from behind the counter. And I'm thinking, what's what's he doing? I'm thinking, oh, maybe he wants to call her. Maybe he wants to go out with her. And uh, so he looks at me as soon as he gets the number and says, if you don't call, I will for you. And I'm like, what? What is going on here? Why are you guys, you know, pressuring me on this whole thing? So about another week goes by and uh, me and all my friends are in my uh, parents' house playing D&D in the basement because that's what you do on the weekends. And uh, so the phone rings and I remember thinking, who's this calling? Everyone's here. All my friends, all eight, 12 of us are here playing Dungeons and Dragons. Who's calling the phone? So I answer it, and there's this girl on the other line. She says, hi, is Pat there? I said, yeah, this is. She goes, hey, this is Becky. I said, hi. She says, you want to go out? I said, sure. How about Friday? She says, good. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. Click. That was pretty much the entire phone call. And uh, my buddy, who was working with me at the time, looks at me and goes, who was that? I said, well, that was Becky. He's like, oh, so she called. And I said, yeah. He's like, she's going out with her. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going out with her. So uh, that was kind of a spur of the moment. Where, I mean, it was the most short, abrupt, without necessity ever. So to, uh, to her parents' house at the time. And when she gave me the directions, it didn't dawn on me how bad the directions were. They, they took me a good five, six miles out of the way. It, it was rough. So I get to her house. And this is where it gets interesting, I guess you could say, to a certain point. Uh, we were going to go see a movie. And when I pick her up from her parents' house, she is kind of all enthusiastic, kind of be chipper and upbeat, you know, going out on a date. And I'm just like the rudest dork I have ever been in my entire life. I was just like, eh, whatever. Eh. 
And she's like, oh, so we're going to go see a movie. This is going to be exciting. This is great. And I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so she uh, she says, oh, what movie are we going to go see? And at the time, it was Star Wars Episode One was relatively out in the theaters, uh, for those of you keeping track of what year this is. And uh, so she goes, oh, I wanted to see Star Wars Episode One." And all I could think of was when I was picking the movie that we were going to go see, I'm like, well, if I'm paying for it, I want to go see a movie I want to see. So when she says this, I, in my arrogance, uh, just assumed she was just saying that to be, to be upbeat and chipper and, and cheerful about it all. And I responded with, uh, oh, sure you do, sweetheart. Uh, and that was, the, that was the catalyst that sent everything else downhill from that point on. Um, now, normally, I have to admit, I'm, I'm never that kind of rude. I don't know where that came from. But it did. It just shot out of my mouth. And I remember thinking, God, I sound like a jerk right now. Uh, and her her attitude went from super upbeat to really now. And I was like, uh oh. And so we started talking just geek stuff in general. Uh, books, movies, TV shows, comics, uh, games, you name it, we were talking about it. And we had to drive from Piatone to Orland Park at that point. And it was like a good uh, 45 minute drive from her parents' house. And from the beginning of the drive, I was rude, I was arrogant, I was just not fun to be with. And by the time we got to the movie theater, I had already fallen in love. I was done, I was hooked. She knew everything that I knew in geek culture and then some. Uh, she also likes to point out that we kind of had a little geek off uh, on the way up and I lost the geek off, I lost. I lost to my wife. Uh, but it's okay because I made her my wife after that. Once I figured out she was smarter than me, I married her, tricked her into it. She had no choice. Um, but yeah, I just, by the time I got to the movie theater, I was like, I'm going to marry this girl. Uh, and then when we were parked in the, in the parking lot of the movie theater, I remember thinking, wow, this, this girl's amazing. I can't believe I found a girl who's into geek stuff. I'm in heaven. And she said something about, hey, we better get in to see the movie. It's about to start. Now, at this point, I didn't care anything about the movie. All I could think about is, oh, my God, I lost this girl forever. She wants to go see this movie. I was a jerk the first five minutes. I've lost her. Um, so we go in. We enjoyed the movie. It was great. Love uh, episode one, uh, Phantom Menace. Love that movie. Um, and so after that, we, we drove back to her parents' house. Um, and again, the rest of the day, I was, I was an angel. I was very polite, obviously. Um, and once she saw that, you know, we had similar interests, she uh, she also kind of got back that chipper, upbeat attitude, which was great, uh, considering, again, I was a jerk the first, like, 10 minutes. Like, I'm embarrassed of my behavior the first 10 minutes. I'll freely admit this. She laughs about it now. But um, so when we got to her parents' house, uh, I, I walked her up to her door, and all I could think about is, I want another date with this girl. I will do anything so, uh, and again, I was really just awestruck by her. And so I remember grabbing her hand, kissing her hand and saying goodnight. And she, I, she appreciated the, the gesture of the hand kissing. And I was like, I'll get a hold of you later. She's like, yes, please. And we're married. What year is it now? 2022? Yeah. 20 years, two kids. Uh, yeah. So it, it worked out. It worked out. So, but yeah, the first five minutes. Oh my God, that was so touch and go. I, I'm I'm glad she overlooked it. And thank goodness you lost that geek off. <laughs> oh my God, it was a Delta Flyer. I'll never forget the Delta Flyer. Oh, she run downstairs now. She's giggling at me. Yeah, it was a Delta Flyer. 
Oh, it's not Paris is shipping. And I'm like, uh, 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 and I blanked on it. And so she won. And I was just like, oh my God, how did I forget the Delta Flyer? And I haven't forgotten it since. <laughs> Thank you, baby. <laughs> oh. So uh just just a few more questions uh but sure. before we before we wrap this up. So what is it about LodgeCon and smaller cons in general um, that sets it apart from something like Gen Con or C2E2? Oh, uh, there are a couple of reasons. Probably the easiest to explain is size. Um, you get a, a C2E2 or a Gen Con uh, to somebody who's never been to a convention. Uh, that's intimidating as all can be. Or somebody who's never been to a convention, they're going to be lost because they don't understand the scope and the scale of the thing. Uh, I remember specifically the first convention I actually really went to uh, was C2E2, or excuse me, it was Wizard World out of Chicago back in the day. And that thing was pretty decent size. And I just remember just walking around in circles, not doing or seeing anything because it was just, uh, I don't want to say overwhelming, but it was overwhelming. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the next convention I managed to go to was Gen Con when it was still back up in Wisconsin. And likewise, massive convention compared to what we do. And I just felt lost as an attendee. I just could not find anything worth doing, uh, mostly because I, I didn't understand how their scheduling worked. Uh, I didn't understand the whole premise behind you know the queues or getting registered for events. I thought you just showed up and played stuff. I had no idea you had to register weeks or months in advance. Um, so that's, that's the easiest one to describe. Um, you know, just the simple fact that we could be a stepping stone for those larger conventions. I mean, we're smaller, we're easier to navigate. Uh, we, we will definitely hold people's hands to get them to where they want to be as far as playing events or seeing seminars or finding the special vendor that they're looking for. Um, you know, we, we have that personal touch that these larger conventions won't have. We'll stop and take five minutes and help you get registered for events. We'll stop and, and show you what the, where the vendor is that you're looking for or where, what vendor would have what you're looking for even. Um, and, and, you know, being smaller, we're, we're a little bit more flexible and adaptable uh, as far as, you know, being able to accommodate those that attend our show. You know, Gen Con or the other origins, other larger conventions just can't do that. You know, they're massive and then you get individuals who probably just don't like massive crowds, but they like conventions. Um, so if you get a smaller convention like ours, it may be the perfect environment for them, either the beginners or the people who really don't like big crowds. We're set for them, you know, because we can get them trained up to go to those big conventions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. So um, speaking of vendors, you know, you're, you're looking for vendors now. Uh, what types of vendors are you looking for and how can someone get booth space? Well, uh, we'll start with the back half on that one. Booth space, uh, we're going to be sending out vendor info packets within this next week. And we'll probably be sending them out to vendors over the next few weeks, if not longer. Uh, and to, to get one of those, they, all they have to do is email us at uh, lodgeconoffice at gmail.com. And that's L-O-D-G-E office at gmail.com. Uh, and as far as what vendors we're looking for, um, any really, uh, since we are a smaller convention, one of the things we do pride ourselves on is looking out for our vendors. So for example, um, Abbott Hollow Studios, um, 
we're, we're not going to try and bring in another vendor that does something similar or even identical to what he does uh, with his product. So we, we kind of like look at the vendors before we accept them and say, hey, what's your main selling product? What is what, what are you known for? Um, and if it's in competition with an established or already registered vendor, we're not going to bring in two of the same type of vendors. It doesn't do any, any service. Um, you know, I don't want to say we do a first come first serve basis, but we have our regulars mm-hmm. uh, that have been with us for years. And as long as they register with us, obviously they're going to be getting in and there's no reason to bring in another vendor that sells the same thing. Uh, same thing with uh, the, uh, <laughs> the Randy too, um, with his uh, uh, minifigs. We're not going to bring in another minifig vendor. It doesn't make any sense to do that and to be able to, to have the greatest. But at the same time, those two Randy's booths could be right next to each other and they can have equal opportunity to sell without necessarily directly competing with each other because they're selling two different types of things. So um, when do you anticipate that you'll start uh, registration for fans? That's probably going to come in a couple months. Um, we're, we're still a good ways out. We've used um, one particular registration site in the past, and we've had some success with it. Um, but I, I can't say I'm pigeonholed with any one registration site. I've seen some others pop up the last couple of years that I, I have an interest in looking at. And with that, it, it's going to be whatever's the easiest and cost effective for us to use. Because um, basically... If it's, if it's an easy to use registration site and it costs a little bit more, uh, we're going to go with that because we want our attendees to have just an easy time as our vendors do to get in uh, or to use our facilities or to experience our convention. So whatever's going to be the easiest, I think, is what we're going to go with. And we're still fishing that out. Uh, so it'll probably be about two to three months, maybe a little bit longer before we open up, open up registration for all attendees. Um, and luckily enough with that, uh, every one of our um, event or game organizers has already locked back in. So uh, the individual who did the Age of Sigmar tournament uh, in previous years has locked back in. Uh, individuals who were responsible for the Pathfinder and Starfinder have locked back in. I do have a new dean uh, who's coming all the way down from Wisconsin to help run our event. Uh, he's brand new, but he's an individual I've known since I was 13. So I don't know if he's brand new. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how can people find you online? Well, uh, LodgeCon uh, is on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok. And I think that's it for the social medias. And uh, we have a web page, but we're in the process of redoing that as well. Um, because we just realized a lot of our information from our webpage was from uh, two, three years ago, three years ago, I believe. Maybe, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, three years ago. So we have a lot of updating to do on some stuff that kind of got left to the side. Um, and, and basically, you know, Facebook is probably the most reliable way to get a hold of us in the quickest. And, and that is just LodgeCon. Uh, and then we also have an event uh, for the for that particular page, LodgeCon 2022. If you type that in on Facebook, should pop us right up for our event page. Thanks. Um, I'm impressed that you guys have a TikTok. You have a TikTok before we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a TikTok. I haven't used the TikTok, so you got time. You're probably going to beat me. That's fair. Um, yeah. For for what it's worth, TikTok's been around for how many years now? I still like I. I know what it does, but I'm still like, I don't know why it exists. Uh, yeah, I'm still trying to 
figure that out too. Um, I, every so often I, I, I hop on there because I try and stay in, in touch with the geek community at large. And it's like, okay, that's geek. That's geek. That's not geek. That's geek. That's geek. That's not geek. That's geek. And it's like, I don't know if it's the platform for us, but I, I don't want to eliminate anything quite yet. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. A, that's a good business practice. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Patrick, one more time, uh, give us the rundown of LodgeCon 2022. When, where, all of it. All righty. Well, here we go. Uh, LodgeCon 2022 is going to be held uh, on November 5th and 6th, the 2022, at the Will County Fairgrounds, uh, located in downtown beautiful Piatone, Illinois. Um, we are a game, vendor, seminar, panel, everything geek-related uh, convention. Uh, we'll have vendors selling art and books and toys and comics uh, and gaming material. We'll have games of all types, card, tabletop, miniature battles. Uh, we're working on a library, uh, game library for this year's event. Uh, and then we also have seminars and panels, everything from uh, how to build cosplay and how to uh, understand the mysteries of the universe uh, to Illinois Storm Chasers and many, many, many more. Um, we hope to see you there. Nice. Awesome. Patrick, I mean, it, it's always a good time getting to chat with you and it's been far too long and this has been this has been such a blast getting to catch up and everything. Uh, can't it, it's, I just need to know, has anybody else outside of the show ever gotten the shame bell or am I still the only one? Um, yeah, we, we've had a few people, but I mean, but you know, like, you know, don't, don't you worry. You're, you're come, come November. You're going to get a shame. I promise. <laughs> maybe, maybe we can give you two shames, one to make up for last year. I would appreciate that. I would okay. Appreciate that. okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can't wait. Um, I, I know that we will be there in some way, shape or form come November. We're, we're all super stoked. Uh, Patrick, best of luck uh, putting this together. And yeah, just, yeah, so excited. Can't wait. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Our other interview for this double dose of Artist Alley is with Maddie Schrader. She is a local game developer. Uh, she's developed games called Heck and Hounds, as well as the upcoming Blue Team. We talk about those games and a bunch of other really fun game-related stuff. Uh, and we do all this at 217 Comics, Cards, and Games. Uh, they were nice enough to let us talk. So, enjoy this interview. So, I am here with Maddie Schrader who is a game developer, um, has designed a couple of really cool games that we're going to talk about. Uh, Maddie, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So what started this off is actually it's a game that you're still developing, still kind of working out the kinks. It's called Blue Team. Uh, what is the premise of Blue Team? Blue Team is a Euro-style board game, uh, which basically means it's like action selection. You have little workers that you place on spots, and they do things. And the whole premise is that you're hackers, and you're trying to complete bug bounties for major corporations to make money, and then whoever has the most money at the end of the game wins. Meanwhile, you're trying to buy upgrades for your computer using the same money that are your victory points, and you're trying to build an engine to do as much as possible and beat the other players. Awesome. So what are like some of the other specifics and 
in terms of like you know, like how many players does it take? You know, do you need like what's the kind of like time frame? Yeah, right now it's about two to six players. Um, still play testing various player numbers to get figure out what's right, but two to six is my sweet spot for most of my games. And uh, right now it plays about an hour and a half to two hours. So, so how did you first like really get involved in like tabletop games? Uh, about a decade ago, um, a friend of mine, I bought a couple board games just on a whim because I'm a nerd. Uh, the first big one was StarCraft, the board game. And I never played it. It just sat on my shelf because it was this huge... It's like a it's a coffin box, so it's just massive. Oh wow! And uh, I never played it. And then a friend came over and saw it on my shelf and was like, "We need to play that sometime." So he took it home and read the rules, brought it back, and then taught the game to me. And we ended up playing it. And then from there, we just got into all sorts of other board games. Played a whole bunch of stuff. Started going to board game conventions, and ended up starting to design games. That's awesome. Um, speaking of games, I do want to make sure to point out, we are actually, we are uh, talking at 217 Comics. They were very nice enough to kind of host this, um, so special shout out to there. Um, so, you know, kind of like going back to the beginnings, you know, like, yeah. what was your favorite game as a kid versus, like, what's your favorite game now? As a kid... I liked, I, I grew up playing a lot of, like, the, the classic board games, you know, Clue, Monopoly. Uh, Clue was always a favorite. Uno was always a favorite. Uh, my family played a lot of Phase 10, a lot of Euchre. Euchre's still a favorite. I mean, it's one of the best trick-taking games. And um, now my favorites, it really depends on what I'm in the mood for. I have a massive board game collection. So one of my favorite board games is Black Angel. Which is by Xavier Jorge, Georges, something I can't, I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's French. Excuse me, I'm, I'm not French. <laughs> I feel bad about that. But, but Black Angel is a big space, space game where you're an AI trying to make the spaceship survive to the end of the journey where it can repopulate a planet with the human uh, DNA that's on board. Okay. So it's this it's crazy complex, and I just love how many different systems are in it, and how much cool stuff you have to do to make it to play it. So, so going back to you know, I do just I, I gotta you know like say as well like that's still like a big game with my family, like especially like every year Christmas. Oh yeah, you know, and it's cutthroat. It's like, very cutthroat. Yeah. Like, you know, friendships have ended. You know, everybody says Monopoly is the friendship ender. No, like, once you throw that draw four, mm -hmm. things are over. <laughs> so, what made you want to design your own games? Um, so, I started going to Geekway to the West, which is a board game convention in St. Louis. I'm, I'm one of the board members for it now. But at the time, I was just a regular convention goer. And they had a prototype row where a bunch of people were showing off the board games that they were designing. And I was like, this is really cool. There's a surprisingly big St. Louis board game design community. And I just wanted to check it out. I wanted to get involved. So I started thinking about what kind of game I would design. And I started with the idea of a trick taker. Because I love trick taking games, like I said earlier. I love Euchre, Spades, Hearts, all the classics. So I wanted to make a trick-taking game. 
but I wanted to do something different. And I was like, what would make a trick-taking game interesting? And I just thought on that for, it was probably two or three years before I actually came up with an idea yeah. that uh, was a game. And now it's Heck and Hounds. So. Nice. And we're going to talk a little bit more about yeah, Heck and Hounds I was... in a little bit. <laughs> but uh, you said, you mentioned Geekway to the oh, West. And I want to talk about that real quick. Yeah. Because that's really cool. I actually, I didn't even know that that was a thing until I was doing a little bit of research. So, um. What talk, tell us a little bit more about like what you do oh, with really? the with that convention um, and also um it, it's you guys have a setup in May correct correct okay so tell us you know kind of like you know plug plug Geekway to the West so Geekway to the West yeah. is four days of peace love and board games it is essentially you show up on Thursday at the Saint Louis, Saint Charles Convention Center play all sorts of games, four days straight. It's basically open 24 hours a day, seven days a week until Sunday. And then on Sunday, we close up and we all go home. But like for the actual convention, we have what we call play and win. And that's my favorite thing. It's really cool. You show up, you play a game, you write your name on a, com on a computer to say that you played it. And at the end of the convention, we have like 700 games that we just give away to people who played those particular games throughout the convention. That is so cool. <laughs> so that what that's got me that got me into Geekway to the West. Um, and then about four years ago, I started on the board, and they're looking for somebody to do their website. And I'm a web developer by trade, so I decided I'd try it out and started working on their website. So that's basically what I do for them. Nice. Um, so, as far as the convention in May, like, what do people, like, need to do to sign up for it? Like, um, yeah, just go to geekway.com. There will be links to go to register. Mm -hmm. And it's, I should know this, I think it's 75 for a ticket. Okay. But uh, you register for a ticket, and you get four days of gaming, and then uh, you'll get an email to the hotel block, which sells out really quick, so that might be risky right now right. but if you uh but there's several other hotels right in the area so there's always places to stay and if you're in the area just check us out nice that's awesome um so let's kind of go back to the process of creating games um what is your like your process whenever you you know like from idea to you know like actual game itself it really depends on the game um with Blue Team, it was very much, I wanted to make a big, heavy Euro. I wanted to make a game that was just, that had meeples and cubes and, like, all of my favorite little pieces of board games. I wanted to make something big. And with that, my idea first became, like, I want to make a game about hacking. I was with a friend uh, over at the Wingstop here in town, and we were just talking about themes that don't exist in board games. And hacking is kind of one of them. There's like Netrunner, but that's more cyberpunk. There's a couple others, but they're not like real hacking. They're not, and I'm really a proponent of like white hat hacking, good guy hacking, the idea of trying to do good with your hacking skills rather than just exploiting things for your own personal gain. So that kind of started the process. And yeah. Now, how long have you been working on the team? Uh, about three years. I started right before the pandemic. Oh, wow. So. <laughs> Weird that it's been three years. Yeah. It's, I started it in Geekway 2019, 
like before Geekway 2019, and then I had my first play test at Geekway, and then the pandemic happened, and then it kind of like nothing could happen for a while because everything was shut down. So I'm just now getting back into it and rebuilding it from the ground up. And so you mentioned kind of before um, before we started recording uh, with Blue Team, you know, you're looking for a developer. So like, what does what all is involved with that? So. There's different steps to a board game production. And once you have the game mostly working to the point that it's a game that you could theoretically see on shelves, you look for a publisher. And a lot of people will self-publish, go straight to Kickstarter, and use that to fund everything. But I'm not a business person. I'm a developer. So I write write code for a living. I make board games for a hobby. So I just wanted to keep doing that. So... uh, Publish, looking for a publisher is essentially just a bunch of emails. You reach out to a publisher that you like that publishes something similar to what you're working on and hope they email you back. Um, I also go to a lot of conventions, so between Geekway, Gen Con, Origins, you go to a convention, go to the vendor hall, and just chat up every publisher at the vendor hall. And be like, hey, you looking for pub- for submissions? Are you looking to talk to people? What's going on? And you hope to find somebody that your game catches their eye, and once they pick it up, then they'll do some more development on it, and kind of do collaboration to make sure it fits their brand, and they do a lot of art for it, and they do all the nitty-gritty to get it ready for Kickstarter. And then the Kickstarter comes out, and hopefully we make our goal, and go to manufacturing and then once it's manufactured we ship it which is another big problem right now with the pandemic uh the shipping systems are a mess and then once it's shipped it's in people's doors and people get to play it so moving on to another game that uh that you've designed uh heck and hounds yeah aka first off Awesome name. Thank you. Um, second off, the the tagline, um, I might be botching it a little bit, but like where you are walking dogs in the underworld? Yes. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about this. So the theme is you are, you're working for Hades, the queen of the underworld. And she has a bunch of dogs, the most famous of which is Cerberus. And uh, you have to walk these dogs or she kills you. <laughs> so you need to do just as good enough of a job as possible that she doesn't promote you to a permanent position. <laughs> but if you do too little, like too bad of a job walking her dogs, then she kills you anyway because you didn't treat her dogs well. So you're trying to walk this fine line of like doing as much work as possible without getting fired. That is amazing. <laughs> and also, you know, like every person's dream, right? Exactly. It's... Just the bare minimum. Now, this is uh, this had a successful Kickstarter. Yeah. And that is you're set to release this fairly soon, right? This year, we just started going to manufacturing um, at the beginning of that uh, February. The uh, my publisher, Sapphire City Games signed the check to the manufacturer, so we are like officially in production. And I'm super excited about that. Uh, the Kickstarter had about 700 people nice. pre-order for it, so we did an we blew away our stretch goals. We blew away everything we could have hoped for, and it's been 
a wild ride. That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, the game room at 217 is starting to kind of fill up a little bit. I've just got a couple more questions. Yeah. We're going to wrap up. Uh, so what advice do you have for playing game designers? Uh, join the board game communities. There's all sorts of really great playtesting communities and board game communities on Discord primarily. Uh, one of the, A lot of them you can find on Cardboard Edison, which is just CardboardEdison.com. There'll be a playtest list, and you can find all sorts of communities that are just about designing games. So join those communities, learn about how designers design their games, see prototypes that are in progress, playtest some stuff, and then once you've done that, you can really get into designing your own. Nice. Nice. So, how can people find you online? How can people find out more information about you know your games, all that kind of stuff? I'm uh, a frozen peach at just about everything. So, Twitter a f r o z e n p e a c h. A frozen peach. Um, you can find, and if you just Google Maddie Schrader, you can find me just about everywhere as well. So, uh, I'm everywhere. It's pretty easy to find me. Now. Just out of curiosity, I know like I didn't I didn't uh, ask you about this beforehand. Yeah. Is there a story behind a frozen peach? Sort of. Um, so I I used to go by Frozen Salad. Okay. Which was a really terrible name. Um, I came up with it when I was like fourteen in high school. And, yeah, yeah, and I just it just stuck because everybody shared my name like. There's, I'm trans, so there's a map in like every other group I've been in. So everybody's like, well, what do we call you? I'm like, well, you just call me Frozen. That's my internet name. <laughs> so uh, when I transitioned, I wanted to make a similar name that was more feminine. So I came up with a Frozen Peach. And the joke of that is that it's a play on free speech. Because it's like, Four puns removed, so it's a frozen peach is a freeze peach, which is a free speech. So it's just that is awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Well, Maddie, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to talk. Um, your games sound amazing. Thank you, uh, thank you. And Heckin' Hounds, the second that I can throw money at it, mm -hmm. I'm doing it. <laughs> for Heckin' Hounds, check out heckinhounds.com. There's a mailing list. As soon as we have the late pledges up, I'm sure we'll email everybody on the mailing list, and that's the best way to get a hold of that. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thank you again. Thank you to 217. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to play some games. Cool. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. That's going to do it for this episode of the Geek Awakens. Uh, we'll be back next time, but in the meantime, check us out on social media. Tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. Uh, any questions, comments, or concerns, then shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, from everyone at the Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time. Uh, this is where I would say everybody say bye, but it's kind of lonely right now, so... Bye.